So we're in a series called Bless, and uh, we're going to continue that uh, this morning. I shared with you the beginning of the year where we're headed this year as a church. And uh, from this platform, my sole mission this year is to help you be a good soldier. Um, I believe that we're going to see God do some things in our city we've never seen before. Like I'm putting my hope and trust in Jesus to do things in Rome, Georgia, and Floyd County that we've never seen. Listen, do you believe that the best is yet to come? I'm not convinced. Like, do you believe the best is yet to come? Listen, do you believe God's going to do something in our city, uh, and our city's going to be different for your kids, my kids, and our grandkids? Amen? Like, that's what we're in this thing for. And um, we believe, I believe, that um, the best days are ahead. And um, so that's what we're doing uh, over this year, is to help you uh, know Jesus. And uh, from this platform that God's given me that I don't take for granted, I want to help you follow Jesus. I want to help you know Jesus. Some of you this morning, uh, maybe for the first time, you felt the presence of God at church today. And uh, I'm just going to tell you, listen, there's so much more to him than that. There's so much more to God than just coming to church and, and getting your worship on and feeling good and feeling the goosebumps. There's so much more to his character and who he is. And he wants to know you and he wants you to know him and uh, so that, that's what we're doing. Um, so over the course of this year, we want to help you become a one-to-one disciple. A one-to-one disciple is someone who follows Jesus, and they first of all live out of the power of one event. So the resurrection happened, and because of the resurrection, it is the, it's the centerpiece of history. Uh, on the resurrection, history hinges. If the resurrection is not true, Paul says something like this. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for mere human reasons, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. If the resurrection doesn't happen, then listen, we're wasting our time. We might as well stayed at home this morning, watch Meet the Press, went fishing in a church parking lot, or done something else. Amen? But because of this event, it changed everything. And as followers of Jesus... The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is accessible to you and to me. And we want to live out of the overflow of the abundance and all that God has for us to live out of the power of one event. Secondly, I want to help you live out two purposes this year. Those two purposes are to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Two purposes, love God and love others. And then to have one mission. That's what a one-to-one disciple is. They live out of the power of one event, and they have two purposes, love God and love others, and they have one mission. What is the one mission? The one mission is to disciple somebody else, take somebody else under your wing, and help them live out the power of one event, and help them have two purposes for their life. And folks, that's all we're going to do. Listen, we're not going to do church as usual here. We're not going to add a bunch of programs. We're not going to add a bunch of expectations. We're just going to help you this year live out of the power of one event with two purposes and one mission. Help other people live out of the power of one event with two purposes. We're not going to, look, we're not going to water it down. We're just going to be strategic and streamlined and simple and head that way. So that's what we're doing. So some of you are like, this is the first time at Life Church, and I've heard what you're saying. I don't like it. Then I'm here to tell you Life Church is not your church. Some of you are like, I hear what you say and I like it. Then maybe this is your church. I don't know. Um, but that's, that's who we are. That's what we're going to do this year to help you be a one-to-one disciple. In order to do that, we're talking about some core disciplines. And that's where Bless comes in. These core, these core disciplines, because it takes discipline to be a disciple. If you follow Jesus 
There's got to be, there's got, there's got to be some core values and principles and disciplines, whatever you want to call them, that you sort of base your life off of. It's not legalism. It's out of relationship. Like when I got married, I had to learn how to be a husband. Amy would tell you today, I'm still learning how to be a husband. Amen? And, um, but you learn it, right? And there are some boundaries in our relationship that we don't step outside of. We have some structure in our, in our marriage that, that we operate based on. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's not a legalistic thing. It's a relational thing. And so um, today we're going to kind of continue with that thought. And um, we're going to look at the passage of Scripture that's guiding this series from Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 29. It says, And a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test. And he said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus' answer is, What's written in the law? Uh, and how does it read to you? You know, a lawyer should know what the law says, right? And that's all he's asking. What do you, what's your interpretation of the law? And this lawyer says, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. I want to stop right there because for three weeks we talked about this, loving God with your heart. And we talked about the core principle or discipline or value for loving God with your heart. And that is to begin each day with God. It, we choose what we do first every day. Some of us, we wake up, we go put coffee on. That's our first decision. Praise the Lord for coffee. It's not a bad decision, but it doesn't need to be your first decision. Some of us, we wake up, we wake up in the morning, and our first decision is go wake our kids up, get them ready for school, right? Some of us, we wake up, and the first thing we do is we turn on, you know, the news. Uh, some, we wake up, and, um, and we, you know, uh, turn on our radio, or we turn on, you know. So we all, we have to make a decision every day. The first thing we're going to do, the Bible says this, seek first my kingdom, Jesus said that, seek first my kingdom. He doesn't say seek second or third, because it doesn't matter how much we seek God if we're not seeking him first. And so what we're saying, just very simple, is make your first choice God. It's not a time thing. It's not, it, what you're not hearing me say is get up and have your quiet time. You know, when I was growing up, the, the pastor would always say, have your quiet time. Number one, I don't like to be quiet. That's why I'm doing this, amen? And because of that, like getting quiet, when, I, when things get quiet for me, I sleep. I don't know about you. And so I, I could never win. Like I, I set myself up for failure every day. Um, and then what happened in my life is then it became a checklist. So I would get up, I'd have my quiet time, and then I could check off the list. We're not teaching a checklist here at Life Church. That's legalism. And we want to help you have a thriving relationship with God, not legalism and living by law, not trying to please God. Listen, uh, we want our lives to please Him. And so for me, the whole quiet time, all we're saying at Life Church is this, just make your first choice Jesus. It could be six seconds or 30 minutes. God may interrupt your sleep pattern an hour early and make your first choice every day, God. It may be a four-second prayer. God, I'm running late, and i got to get my kids up, and they're going to scream, and it's going to be a nasty morning. Please help me. Help me hold on, enjoy the ride, and realize that they're going to grow up, and they're not going to be monsters forever. Amen. And that's it, right? Does that happen to you? Yeah, of course. And so we're just saying begin each day with God, whatever that looks like for you. And then uh, because that is the discipline of loving God with your heart. And then it continues on. Love God with all your soul. We'll talk about that. With all your strength, we'll talk about that. We'll unpack that. And with all your mind. And that's where we're going to camp out this morning. Love God with your mind. How do you love God with your mind? How do you love him with your mind? That's a hard thing to do. I don't know if you're like me, but my mind's always going. It's always racing. I'm always thinking of the next thing to do or the next conversation I have 
or, you know, it's, it's always running. It's always racing. And in order to love God with my mind, I have to slow down and I actually have to value solitude. And so that's where we're going to head today. And we're, the, the ask is, will you this week listen to God for one hour? Now, some of you are like, Jason, I don't even know what it means to listen to God. That's okay. We'll get there together, okay? Don't beat yourself up. It's not condemnation. Some of you say, look, I don't have an hour. Come on. Really? Let's talk about that. Listen, you got 10,080 minutes this week. So if I give you $10,080 in ones, and I said, give me 60 ones back. Fair, look, trade. I'm trading you $10,080. And just give me 60 back. How many of you would take that bet? Absolutely. Right? Of course. That's all we're saying. If you live till next Sunday, you're going to live 10,080 minutes. Will you just give 60 this week? Because here's what I know. If you give 60, you're going to want to give more. But let's just start there. It's just a start. Will you listen to God for one hour this week? It can be a full hour. It can be two 30-minute blocks. Whatever. Listen. It's up to you. Because, as we learned last week, listening begins with positioning. You'll never hear God if you don't put yourself in a position to hear God. See, the reality is most of us, we've never heard God. We wouldn't even know if God wanted to communicate or tell us something because we've never put ourselves in the right position to hear his voice. So I want to help you do that. I want to help you position yourself so that you have a great relationship with God. I'm reminded as, as I talk about this morning, because the title of this morning is, Can You Hear Me Now? And the reason I titled it this is because of a commercial that came out in 2001. I watched it at the Super Bowl of 2001. See if you remember this commercial. Want to take your minutes further? Good. Well, now you can. Good. Introducing America's Choice, the plan where all of your minutes are national minutes. Sign up on a plan starting at $35 monthly access and get an extra 3,000 national night and weekend minutes per month for life on the America's Choice Network. Good. And now save $50 to $100 on select Motorola phones. So make the smart choice and sign up for America's Choice. Can you hear me now? Good. Verizon Wireless, we never stop working for you. Can you hear me now? From 2001 till 2016, Verizon, and then it was Sprint. Did you get here? Did you get tired of that hearing that guy say that? Oh my gosh! Now listen, this was a big deal when I saw this commercial, and the reason why is because uh, just to show our age, I'm going to say ours, not mine, yours, our age. Coming out of this, we had phones that fit in bags, and you had them in your car. So it, look, it was a big deal to have a phone that big that flipped open. Now, I'm not going to ask this question, Well, I'm going to. How many of you still have that phone? Some of y'all still have a flip phone? Okay, so listen, at the end of the service, I'm going to be down at the uh, stage, and I want to pray and help you uh, because they're making phones today that you can literally boil an egg with, and I want to show you a little bit of hot technology. And so these flip, it was a radical thing, though. And look, it was so crazy that you could talk on these phones like when you were at the beach, and anywhere. But you would, you would be talking and then a call would drop. You remember that? Because like there wasn't even 1G or 30G then. There was no G, right? And so like you, you had to make sure that you were in range of a satellite. And if you didn't, you looked at your bars. And if not, you wouldn't be able to hear them at the beach. You had to get yourself in position to be able to hear the conversation. God is the same way. Can you hear me now? 
I'm speaking, I'm always speaking. He's never not speaking. I have to put myself in the position, however, to make sure there's reception from his voice to my ear. Can you hear me now? And um, if we don't put ourselves in the position, we'll, never, we'll miss his voice. Some of us have never done that. I want to help you do that today. And so um, I want to unpack this thought for the remainder of our time. I hate the clock up there. It says I've got 17 minutes left. I always hate that thing. But for the next 17 minutes or so, I want to unpack a thought with you about hearing from God. And that is this. God spoke. God is speaking. And God will speak to you. Now, some of you are like, well, listen, God speaks to you, Pastor, but he doesn't speak to me. The same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. Listen, you don't need me to pray for you. I don't, I don't have any magic sauce to pray because you have direct, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have direct access to God yourself. You don't have to go to the priest and say, will you intercede for me? Because Jesus is doing that for you when you communicate to him. You don't need me. And so I say that because the same God that can speak to me will speak to you. But we have to put ourselves in a position to hear what he wants to say to us, you see. God is speaking. God spoke, is speaking, and will speak to you. In order to unpack this thought, I want to give you two words. These are the two words that the Bible uses for the word or the words of God. The first word is the word logos. Everybody say that word. Logos. Let's say it again. Logos. So it's the Greek word. The Bible was written in the Greek. The New Testament was written in the Greek language. And this word logos means word or words of God. And this word always means like the written expression, if you will, of God. The word of God. The logos of God. There's another word the Bible uses for the word or the words of God. And that is rhema. Everybody say that word. Rhema. So a rhema word is not as objective, it's more subjective. It's not as generic, it's more specific. It is a spoken word, a specific word from the creator of the universe to our hearts. The same God that spoke to Jonah about not going to Tarshish and going to Nineveh can speak to you. The same God that spoke to Moses at a burning bush is the same God today and yesterday and forever, and he can speak to you. Do you agree with that? Listen, I don't want to play games. Do you? I don't want to go through the motions. Church is not the answer. If you're banking on church getting you there, listen, you're putting your hope in the wrong thing because this bride is flawed. But I'm telling you what, if you put your hope in God and have a relationship with him, that's the foundation that will last in your life. It's a specific word. Whenever you have the hard conversation and you need God to show up, it's a specific word. Whenever you've got that sale that you've got to make, and if you don't make that sale, you lose your job, and you need a specific word. It's a rhema, a specific word from God to you. It's a rhema word. And so those are the two words for word or words of God. I want to unpack this statement. God spoke is speaking, and he'll speak to you. First of all, God spoke through the living Word. Let me show you what I mean. John chapter 1, I want you to see what it says in John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word that is used there is Logos. And the Word, the Logos, was with God. And the Word, the Logos, 
was God. So we see in the beginning was the Word. Now, who is the Word? The Word was the living Word. And we see that on, in just a minute. And it's Jesus. He's the Logos. And it says, in the beginning was the Logos. If you remember in creation, it says, God said, let us make man in our image, plural. So in the beginning was the Word, the living Word of God, the living expression of God. And the Word, the Logos, was with God. And the Logos was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Notice what else it says as we kind of skip down. It says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So people ask me, say, uh, so pastor, did God create the universe or did Jesus? And my answer is yes. Yes. Because there is this relationship in the Godhead where there's a Father, Son, and Spirit. One being, three parts. He made us in his image. One being, three parts. Body, soul, and spirit made in the very image, the very nature of God. Are you three parts? I don't look at you and see three parts. I see one, right? But we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. It says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing is made that's been made. In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's continue on. It says, and the word, the living word, Lagos, became flesh. So we have the word of God, and we put a flesh suit on it. And we say we want you to step out of being the man in heaven and come be a servant to people who are going to betray you. The Lagos, the written, I mean the living expression of God on this earth became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father. He's full of grace and truth. Now listen to me. Here's what I just want you to take away from this. Obviously we could spend a lot of time talking about this. But Jesus is God's logo. When you see a swoosh, what do you think seriously what do you think it's a question what comes to your mind say it out loud what okay um if you see arches what what comes to your mind mcdonald's right okay um if you see um you know these are logos right they're logos so what is a logo it symbolizes something it represents something so jesus is the symbol, the representation, the logo of God. You can't separate God from Jesus. You see Jesus, and he's the representation. And he's the representation of God's kingdom and God's authority on this earth. He's God's logo. He's God's stamp of approval. You, you listen, if you want to know who God is, read about Jesus, because that's God. He's God's logo. He's the living word of God, and God spoke through the living word. Secondly, God is always speaking through the written word. Look at what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says. For the word, the logos, the written word, the written expression, the Bible, is living. What does it mean? It's not dead. It's not dead. The only people who bury the Bible are us. You know how we bury the Bible? We leave it on our, on our uh, nightstand, and we let it collect dust. We just bury it, right? 
Because this book is living. It's not dead. And not only that, notice what it says. And it's active. It's not passive. It's an active book. It's living and it's active. And notice it's sharper than any double-edged sword. What does that mean? A double-edged sword cuts as it goes in and it cuts as it comes out. The Bible is the same way. As I take the Bible in, it's hard. Because then I have to make a choice. Does my life align with what God says? And it cuts. And then as I live it out, it also cuts. It's a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Here's what I want you to know. God is always speaking, and he's speaking always through his book. He's always speaking. If you want to know what God has to say, go read what he has to say. You have his mind and his heart. You have his thoughts right in front of you on paper. If you want to know what God thinks about a situation, go read what he says. It's the, the logos, the written word of God. And then lastly, God will also speak specifically through the spoken word to you for what you need in your situation and in your life. It's called the rhema. Notice what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, In the context of taking on the armor of God, putting on the armor of God, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? We see what the double-edged sword is. It's the logos. What is the sword of the Holy Spirit? It's the, the word that is used here for word. It's the word rhema. It's God's specific word for you. We're not robots where God just says, you know what, I'll just tell all the robots what to do and how to think and what they need or what not. No, we're creatures created in the very image and likeness of God that he wants to have a relationship with and he wants to communicate with through a specific word for you wherever you are. It's the rhema. Let me show you a passage of scripture where these two words are used together. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 44 it says while Peter and this is in the context of Cornelius the first Gentile becoming a becoming a Christian and it says and while Peter was speaking these rhemas specific word for the people the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the logos and so he's speaking a specific word and the message is from the written word and I want you to notice what happens and in response to the word of God, the circumcised believers, the Jews who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Because prior to that, there was not a Gentile Christian. And it says, for they heard them speaking in tongues, in languages, in, that they didn't know what they were. And praising God, and Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, and he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. We see the spoken, the specific word that God had for his people. And we see the written word that God has for all his people. And those two coming together with power. God did a miraculous thing. So. Can I just tell you how this plays out in our lives. Just very practical. Listen. I, I'm like Forrest Gump. I'm not a smart man. Right. So. 
I want to tell you how just this practically plays out in my life and in your life, okay? So we, first of all, must have an encounter with the living Word of God, Jesus. Listen, until that happens, nothing else matters. But when we have an encounter with Jesus, the living Word of God, then we sit down and we read the Lagos, not the iPad. Pretend it's a Bible. <laughs> Amen. And we sit down and we read the written Word of God. And here's what happens. Sometimes we walk away from it and we're like, I didn't know what that said. And here's what, look, here's what I did. It's what I did when I was younger. Some of you have done this. You're like, I mean, I don't know what it says. Why, why even bother? I mean, I, I can't even understand it, so, I mean, why even bother? So here's what I would say. Don't let what you don't understand keep you from reading what you do understand. I can promise you there's a lot that you can't understand. Start in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You can understand that, I promise. Seventh grade, third grade, second grade can understand that. And so you sit down and you read the living word, the Bible. You read the Bible. And, so, and nothing happens a lot of times, okay? Sometimes something really does happen, but... Sometimes it stirs in your emotions. Sometimes you're like, holy, I never knew I said that. Sometimes you've read a passage for hundreds of times and you see something new, right? But sometimes you just read it and here's what happens. It just sits in you. It kind of sits in you. The Bible says that it won't return void. It just sits in you. And so it sits in you and here's, what, here's what's going to happen. So as it sits and it marinates in it and it grows and it festers because it's living. It's not dead. When it goes in you, it's still living. It's not dead. It's still active. It's not passive. It's, it's in you, but it's active still. Okay? And so a month down the road, uh, you've got to have a hard conversation with somebody. And, man, you are you're freaking out about it. You're like, man, I don't know what they're going to say. And you spend your time worrying and all that. And then instantly, God brings to mind what you read. And that... Is God speaking a specific word to you in that moment? A rhema, word from God. Let me show you another way that I sort of process this. So Bella Kate is our, our youngest daughter. She's six, and uh, she's, she's really, really smart. I'm glad uh, that she got her smarts from me. And um, <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> um, Amy's going to talk here in just a minute. Um, but I'm glad Bella gets her smarts from me, and um, so she's six, but she, she, she's, she is, she's really smart, but the thing I know is this, I can't speak to Bella Kate like I do Elizabeth. Elizabeth's our 13-year-old, Elizabeth and, and Allie, uh, and they're, they're older, and they're wise beyond their years, and, but I can't speak to Bella Kate the way I would speak to Elizabeth or Allie, uh, because she's, she's not there yet, okay? She wouldn't understand it, so I can't, like, we, we can't talk to Bella Kate about puberty, so, Bella, I just want to know uh, you're six years old, and your body is going to start changing real soon. It'll be way over her head, right? <laughs> My body's going to change. What does that mean? Am I going to grow another arm? I mean, what's, you know? <laughs> and so there, there are conversations that we can't have with Bella Kate because she's not there yet. She's not old enough. She's little. She's young. And so we have to speak in a way that she can understand in a way that she can receive in a way that she can process okay and so the same thing is true with god some of us aren't there yet that's okay that's okay listen some of you, some of us we compare ourselves to someone who's 
older and more seasoned. And that's foolish. It's like comparing a six-year-old to a 13-year-old or to an adult. Because God can only communicate based on what you can hear and based on what you can receive. Based on where you are. If not, it would just go over your head. You would hear it wrong. You would process it wrong. You would think it's from you or from the devil or whatever. And then, listen, it would get in your head and confuse you. And so the Lord has to speak to where you are. And he, he's a good father and he knows where you are. And he knows what you can handle and what you can process and how you can move forward. He understands that. And so what happens early in the game when you become a follower of Jesus is you commit time to reading the written word of God, and you store it in your heart. It's like a bank account, and you're just making deposits. Just keep making deposits. Just keep making them. And it's going to stay in there. It's going to grow, and it's, it's going to live, and it's going to be active. It's not going to be passive. And then here's what's going to happen in your life as you go through life. And man, life takes it out of you because you've stored it up in your heart. God is going to be able to use what you put in the bank account. And he's going to then be able to apply that to you in your specific situation. And he's going to breathe a rhema word into your life. But you have to be in a position to listen. I'm going to ask uh, Amy come and share with you how these things kind of happened in our life this week. Just a brief testimony, a minute and a half, and um, I'm just kidding. Three minutes. <laughs> I told her earlier you got three minutes. But uh, I want her to tell you what happened uh, this week as God took the written word and the specific word and uh, what he did in us. Go ahead. Give my bride a big round of applause, Life Church. Oh, okay. Amen. Please don't. Um, so... Monday, I had already scheduled, uh, I got my phone out last week, like you said, and I scheduled, well, I don't schedule on my phone, I schedule in a paper thing, but, um, so I'd already scheduled Monday morning was going to be my uh, morning, just to spend some time listening, and um, I got up that morning, and he had already been up, but I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm usually not all the way awake, so... Um, I'm going downstairs trying to find a new journal, since I just finished my other one, um, and he is so excited, he says, Amy... God, the Lord just kept saying Leviticus 11, Leviticus 11, like Leviticus 11. I couldn't get out of my head, so then I read it. He was like, I want you to read it, and I want, you, and I want to talk about it. And I was like, okay, you know, it was first thing in the morning, so I thought, okay, I'm going to go have my time with God, and then I'll read it later on today, and we'll talk about it tonight before we go to bed. So I sat in my chair, and I had my Bible out, and I just closed my eyes, and I just began to um, concentrate on what I envisioned God looking like <clears throat> and his throne. And in my eyes, I kind of just saw like swirling colors, like a kaleidoscope. Um, and I just kind of felt something say, look past the kaleidoscope. So I looked past. I just really was concentrating. And I saw just darkness with some stars, just like you would see in the galaxy. If you just looked out at night, just billions and billions of stars. Well, all of a sudden, all these birds start chirping, but it's 5 or 5.30 in the morning, which is pretty dark, and so normally the birds aren't out then, and they are legitimately, like, right outside of the window, right here in this tree or bush that's right outside of our house, and they just chirp, 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 and the other one would go chirp, 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 and just chirp back and forth to each other, and um, so I'm like, okay, God, speak to me. 
all right, God, I'm waiting for you to speak to me. Just speak to me. And so then these birds just kept going. And so I started counting for some odd reason the second uh, birds chirp. And I think the first time it was like seven chirps and then eight, then nine, then 10, then 11. And after it chirped 11 times, then they quit chirping and they went away. So I was like, okay, well, that was weird. And then I just felt kind of something impress upon me. We'll just see what the Bible has to say about birds. Maybe it's in the birds. So um, since I didn't have my concordance with me, I went to the second best thing, which is Google. And I Googled (laughs) birds in the Bible. I went to a a website that I know and that I trust. And guess what the first verse that had to do with birds popped up on that uh, website? It was Leviticus 11. (laughs) So it was just, I mean, my jaw dropped to the floor and I just looked at Jason and I was like, uh, I think God's trying to tell us something. So it was just really neat how God can tell us each something in two different ways, but it's still spoken through him and through his word. Amen. So, so let me tell you what a little bit of get a celebrity. Y'all give my, ba- my baby, my honey, a big round of applause. Thank you, babe. Hey, let me tell you what Leviticus 11 says. So I read it, and, like, I'm really defeated. Like, I'm, like, because Levit- Leviticus 11 is a passage in the Bible about dietary laws for the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. So uh, that's the passage that talks about you can't eat anything out of the water that doesn't have scales. And I'm like, shh. So does that mean like we're going to Panama City Beach in a few weeks, Scott? And I'm really looking forward to oysters, like on the half shell. Anybody else going to Panama? Y'all going to the Redneck Riviera? Anybody else this year? Amen. And so anybody else eating oysters? Amen. Lord, I so cannot wait to eat that. Are you telling me that I can't eat oysters the rest of my life? Because, Lord, I love you and all, but, uh, <laughs> right? God, I love shrimp and scallops, amen, seafood combos, like at the beach. God, does that mean I can't eat that? So, so watch this. Amy said, the Lord is saying to me, look through the kaleidoscope. And it resonated. Look through the kaleidoscope. So I began to pray. And you know, the Bible says we are to seek him. Did you ever play Spotlight when you were a kid? get the flashlight and you go and you look or hide and go seek and you're looking for that person you flash the light on them and you say John and then John gets the flashlight you go seeking after John well the same thing's true in our relationship with God sometimes we have to seek him and the reality is when we became a Christian we didn't have to seek him he sought us and we're expecting God to do the same thing now that we're we're out of diapers and now that we're out of diapers we got to be more a little more adult so it took some seeking And here's what the Lord said to me. He said, Jason, here's the reality. Here's what I want you to know. Some things I created for my pleasure and my glory only. Look at the dietary laws. That is my pleasure and my glory. The coral of the sea that you will never see is for my pleasure to enjoy and my glory. But there are some things that I created Still for my pleasure and for my glory, but also for your enjoyment. And I processed that all week. Lord, what does that mean? And read more. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what all God told me because you're going to hear it in a sermon at some point, I promise. So I don't want to give it away today. Um, But I say that to say, listen, the specific word that God wants to give you, it's grounded in his written word. So I'm going to ask you something very simple this week. Will you read your Bible? Will you read the Lagos, the written word of God? Will you do that? Will you do it for an hour this week? Let me tell you how we're going to do it, okay? 
I want us to all get on the same page. So here's our homework, all right? Uh, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to schedule it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out your flip phones and um, get out your phones. And I'm going to give you one minute to schedule God for one hour this week. It could be two 30-minute blocks. Go ahead. Listen, if you don't get out your phone and schedule it, you're going to get a stomach virus tomorrow. I would rather you, okay? <laughs> so some of you are like, I don't have an hour. Surely you can take 60 minutes of 100, out of 10,080. She's like, I don't have an hour. That's fine. Don't come to church next Sunday. That's an hour. I'm willing to give that up. Seriously, I'd rather you meet with him than meet with us. So take that hour. Schedule it. So get your phone out. And uh, the countdown is on. I'm going to give you 30 more seconds. When this week do you have a window? Uh, so if you're like, I don't have a window, get up an hour earlier. Go to bed an hour later. Skip a meal. An hour or two 30-minute blocks. All right, the second thing we're going to do is get alone. We're going to get alone. We're just going to get alone this week. Wherever alone is for you. So I wouldn't advise going to Lumina. I mean, God can speak at Lumina, but you might go crazy and people might think you're insane. I mean, I don't know. So I would just say get alone. Get alone somewhere where it's just you and the Lord. The second thing we're going to do yeah, or the third thing we're going to do is we're going to do a mind dump. We talked about this last week. We're going to do a mind dump. What is a mind dump? So if you're like me, all these million things are going on in your mind all the time. It's always running. It's always cranking stuff out. All right? And so you get a journal, a piece of paper, or whatnot, and then you just start writing what's in your brain. Because you get it out on paper, you don't have to think about it anymore. Got to call Bob. Just put Bob's name. Uh, I got to, you know, buy a present uh, for my wife. Present for wife. All right, whatever's up here. Here, let me, can I tell you something how you can leverage this? If you are willing to do a mind dump before or during this hour, it can actually translate into your daily agenda. It's a pretty cool thing. So get it out of here so that this is clear, so that you can think straight, do your mind dump. We talked about, y'all remember that last week? There's four people that did the mind dump. Hey, amen, at least, uh, at least we've got a great following at Life Church. So we're going to schedule it. We're going to get along. We're going to do a mind dump. The, number, the fourth thing that we uh, are going to do, after we've done our mind dump, we're going to make this one statement. God, I give you my full attention. God, I give you my full attention. Now, here's the thing. I'm, look, I, I can't tell you God's going to speak to you. I don't know that. I'm not God. All I can tell you is that if we're not in a position, then we're going to be out of range, and there's not going to be reception, and you can't hear him then. So we're going to just get in position in case he's got something that he wants to tell you, okay? So we're going to say this, God, I give you my full attention. Let's all say that statement together. Ready? God, I give you my full attention. Here's the fifth thing that we're going to do. We're going to be silent for five minutes. Now, don't beat yourself up if you fall asleep. Seriously. Five minutes in my house of quiet, and I'm, there's a good shot. I'm going to sleep, okay? Don't beat yourself up. Look, this ain't checklist here. This is relationship, all right? And so it's not about doing your checklist. If you don't do it this week, that's fine. Look, you're going to hear it a lot more at Life Church, I promise, okay? And so just be silent for five minutes. Just be silent. Don't say anything. It's not what you say. Just shut up, all right? The last thing we're going to ask you to do this week is 
Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you where to read. Because if I did that, you would do it because I told you. And this ain't between me and you. You're not going to stand before me in judgment. You will God. You're not going to hear me say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's Jesus that you want to hear his voice say that. So I want you to work on your relationship. It's a relationship. Okay? And so read. So if you say, I don't know where to start, that's fine. Look, Deuteronomy 24 may come to your mind and you're like, I've never even read that. I don't even, where's Deuteronomy at? Is that the Old Testament or the New Testament? It's fine. Go to your table of, con- read Deuteronomy 24. Listen, whatever you hear, because you've done your mind up, whatever you hear, start there. Just start. Just start. I promise the Bible is living and active and God can use whatever you read. And, and we're just going to store it up in here. We're just going to put it in here. We're just going to make a deposit because at some point we're going to make a withdrawal. And we're going to read our Bible. And then we're going to go about our day. And we're just going to let God do what God does. Sound good? Sound good. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that uh, today we would consecrate this hour this week. That it would be the most important hour of the week. Nothing else would take precedence over this hour. It is the hour that we block off to enter your gates and to enter your courts. And so, Lord, we're just going to come before you boldly, before your throne, and we're just going to put ourselves in a position to hear from you. We're going to give you our full attention. Lord, I believe that repentance is going to happen this week. But Lord, it's going to be your voice that speaks that. Father, I pray that chains are going to be broken. I pray that, God, people are going to be delivered and they're going to be healed and they're going to be set free. They're going to be given new perspective and they're going to be given a new start on life and they're going to forgive themselves for their past. And God, they're not going to struggle anymore because I believe in you, God. I believe in you. And Lord, if you can do it in me and do it in us, you can do it in anybody. And so, Lord, I'm just asking you to do that. Whatever that looks like, it's going to look different in every person's life, Lord. And you're the maker and you're the creator and you do what you do. That's all I'm asking. Just do what you do, Lord. And I declare this. um, And uh, Father, that people are going to be different this week because of spending time with you. And Lord, I believe that because of this, because we're positioning ourselves to hear from you, that you're going to be able to speak something specific to us. Some of us have never had that happen. That's okay, Lord. I, I know, God, that, that for me, the first time that happened, that, it was crazy. And, uh, but I believe that's going to happen this week for someone. And uh, Lord, help us just to hide your word in our heart. Um, so we, we give you permission and we give you our full attention to speak and to move in us to speak a rhema word over us you'll just leave your heads bowed for a moment your eyes closed so I told you a few moments ago that the place you have to start is with the living word the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory you have to start with Jesus he's the way he's the truth he's the life for God loved the world so much that he gave his only son Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So that's where you have to start. That's your entry point. If you've 
If you've never experienced and encountered Jesus, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and to save you, to forgive you, and to be Lord of your life, that's the starting point. The Bible says you have to be saved or born again or adopted into the family. It's a gift, and you have to receive the gift, okay? And so just as your heads are bowed all around the room this morning, I want to ask you, would you receive Jesus today? Some of you have never done that. Some of you have never accepted him into your life. Some of you have never trusted him. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. His head's bowed all around the room and eyes closed right now. I want to give you that opportunity to make the greatest decision you'll ever make on this planet. To invite the living word of God, Jesus, into your life. Heads bowed, all, eyes closed all around the room. If you would say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I've never done that. And I'm sure that today is the day. I've toyed around with it. I've thought about it. I've put it off. I've tried to clean up. I've tried to be a good person. But today I'm ready. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Here's what I want to ask you to do. With heads bowed, eyes closed all around the room, I want to ask you, would you raise your hand in the air right now? Raise it up high in the air. Raise it up bold in the air. Say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus today. Would you just slip your hand up? Is that you? Just raise your hand. I want to receive Jesus, the living word, into my life. So as we kind of continue, we're going to sing right now. And uh, some of you may want to just come pray. Uh, You can come pray if you want to pray. If you want to like kneel down, you can kneel down and pray. Listen, this is just about you connecting with God in your way. You can listen to what's sung. You can sing can pray I just want you to encounter God before we leave this morning so father we set aside this time now so that we experience you just a little bit more before we have to leave we pray in Jesus name